the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2. We do so every Wednesday with our dear friend David Schweikert representing Arizona's 6th Congressional District. Happy Wednesday, David. How are you, sir? Happy Wednesday to you, though I just got devastating news minutes ago. Oh, uh-oh, what's that? Apparently the Russian government has sanctioned me. Are you kidding? And I can't, I no longer go visit in Russia. And I, I had all these, you know, these vacation plans. Why did they sanction you? <laughs> I think they actually sanctioned most of the members of Congress. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, well. it, it, but it was funnier thing. Yeah. No, I get it. And, but, you know, yeah. I, there there will be some members of Congress that will be unhappy about this. There's no question yeah. about it. Uh, it, <laughs> I, I, it is, I'm it put is in mind of the fact that Bernie Sanders took a honeymoon to Moscow. And, well, and, and that's when it was really dodgy. Well, not only that, not that he was happy to travel to Moscow for a honeymoon, but never once traveled in his own state to visit Alexander Solzhenitsyn who lived in Vermont yeah, at the it, time. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some interesting stories. I mean, these are people that, till this day, you have debates with them on how wonderful Cuba is. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I mean, we were going through that just a year or two ago, where a number of the Democrats were telling us how good the Cuban healthcare system was. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's free. Now you get to die, but mm-hmm. it's free. Yeah, yeah. I've heard this about the education system. I've heard it about the healthcare system. I've yeah, uh, unbelievable. Last time inflation was this high, David. Here's a jog for you, jog down memory lane for you. The number one TV yeah, show in America you're, you're, was. You're immediately, you're immediately going that how old I am. Well, I remember it, and I'm younger than you, so take it as a compliment. Great. I think I'm younger. Maybe I'm not younger than you. I may not be. But anyway, I remember these days. They were a better America. The number one TV show was Dallas. The number one movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Prince Charles and Princess Diana got married that year, and IBM launched its first PC with MSDOS. You well, did and, a big. And <laughs> go ahead. Now you you need to go even further. Yeah. Because if you do the wholesale inflation that was posted this morning, you know where it was eleven plus percent. Yeah, this is the producers' uh, index, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that basically is almost equal to the highest we've ever had in that index. David, this is a, a huge tax hike no one ever voted for. You you did a great interview in The Hill, uh, and I'd love you to reprise it with us, reprise it with us if you don't mind, uh, just a little bit. Um, first of all, what's causing it? Second of all, how do we tackle it? Well, okay, uh, let's do our basics. Every you know, you have a freaky smart audience, um, so you, you're all going to get this. Um, what is inflation? Inflation functionally. It's too many dollars chasing too few goods. You know, if it's a supply chain problem, it's too few goods. If it's the Federal Reserve, it's too many dollars. Well, one year ago, last late March, um, you had 
the Democrats decide they were going to throw kerosene and a really big blowtorch on a stack of kindling. And that kindling had been years of Federal Reserve policy. Um, and when they did their the Democrats, and not a single Republican voted for this, and they chose to put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of additional spending late last year, boom, you can look at the chart and you see the explosion of inflation. And then they added additional policies, which functionally encouraged people not to work, not to participate in the economy. So if I came to you right now and said, all right, oh, dear God, we have inflation, and inflation is making poor people poor. It's making the middle class poor. If you are retired, you are, and this is a technical economic term, you're being screwed over. Unless you're someone that holds huge numbers of assets, and that's the holding of your wealth, you are getting poor every day. So what do you do? You can do what the Federal Reserve is about to do, which is try to remove liquidity from the system. Basically put a squeeze on you. But if you have debt, your debt just got a lot more expensive, um, but you're hoping to be able to pay it back with cheaper dollars. Um, or you can do what we on the conservative side have been trying to push the Democrats, and that is do regulatory and tax policy so we make more stuff. Mm -hmm. Ta a regulatory policy so we pull more hydrocarbons out of the ground. Um, tax policy, put full expensing back and give a, a, a bonus. Um, turn to individuals and say, hey, if you have extra cash still sitting in your checking account, instead of going and chasing goods and services, why don't we have you be the restrainer of that liquidity? We're going to give you a bonus if you put it into your retirement account. Mm -hmm. So there mm -hmm. are lots of creative things we could do. Could you and expand? Could you could you literally expand by law? Expand what people could put into their retirement accounts? Sure. Actually, yeah. our our proposal is we'll let you take pre-tax money and put it into your IRA. It's only a few hundred dollars, but if you do that, and it's really for the middle class, sure. Um, and we'd let you treat it like a Roth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that would have a really big tax bonus. But that bonus, you know, the cost of that wouldn't be for many, many years. And there's an economic model that says the more people you have saving for retirement, you increase the capital stack and lessen the number of people in retirement that move into poverty mm. that therefore have to become dual eligible for benefits. Including Medicaid and Medicare, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But there's ideas like this of instead of the Federal Reserve, squeezing liquidity out of the system by raising interest rates and rolling off their book. Um, why not encourage individuals saying, we're going to give you a fifth if you are the one removing liquidity, but you're putting it into your retirement account mm -hmm. and, and making your retirement security stronger. So there are ideas like that. And the other side of that is how do you get businesses and organizations to make more stuff? Mm hmm Mm -hmm. invest in productivity. Mm -hmm. So I, I know I said that really fast. No, but would you attack capital gains on that front? Um, there's part of the idea. There is one idea. It basically says, hey, if you'll go and invest in planetary equipment right now that makes you more productive, meaning you can pay people more because of productivity, right. not inflation, Right. we'll give you a capital gains fifth in the future. Um, we've actually modeled that it, it works for certain industries. The expensing 
you know, um, so instead of a, a, a depreciation, when we did the 2007 tax reform, right. we had a couple of years there where you could expense 100% of your capital expenditures, and yep. it created this huge investment of productivity. Today, you can only take 80%, put it back to 100%, and if it's a capital item that for productivity, maybe even give you a, 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 a small bonus off. It's a way to move lots of money out of liquidity and put it into productivity. David, you're always so, so you're always so kind about about you know the the wisdom of this audience. It doesn't apply to me, I, and 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 that's why I I have the following question for you: Could you do something theoretically simple, politically difficult, but theoretically simple, like cut or freeze some small level of um, discretionary spending? I don't know, one five ten percent of of discretionary federal spending. A and B, would that have any effect? You could actually do something like that. Um, th- there's an argument that one of the first things we should do is sweep any unspent COVID money out of the system and just uh, just remove it. Just say, we're going to go, we're not going to authorize this to be spent. We're going to go stick it in back and pay down some bonds. Um, that, so, yes. That, but that's almost the same thing as, as the Federal Reserve would be doing when they're raising interest rates and you know rolling off their extraordinary measures they've engaged in. Can I shift something with you for a quick moment? Because I, I need you, you are you, you you help Washington make sense to me and us. Oh, in that case, we're both. No, problem. no, no. You unwind this Rube Goldberg mechanism for us. We appreciate it. How is it? that an administration like this one, this administration, can get rid of Title 42 in the name of COVID ending, but today still extends and requires mask mandates Mm -hmm. in airports, trains, and airplanes. Your first mistake is believing what they're saying. Okay. You know, if they tell you, you I mean, you know, hey, we're getting rid of Title 42 because COVID's over. Um, are their mouths moving? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know okay. the other side of the joke. They're not telling you the truth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, look, is there any possible explanation of why the Democrats would allow the chaos they have at our border? Mm-hmm. The amount of homelessness they've created, the number of drug overdoses, the amount of deaths, the human exploitation, the fact that when you have a couple million additional importation of poverty into your country. You just made our domestic working poor who are just struggling. They're just trying to survive. You made them poor. I mean, the cruelty of the the left border policy, they say they're being compassionate, but the the fact of the matter is, you know, they may be compassionate to who they hope will be future voters for their side, but they're brutal, the brutality, economic brutality they've unleashed on the country. So what makes you think possibly Title 42 has anything to do with the truth? If this is one of my fears, and you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, if they truly are heading into a brutal election cycle where they know they're going to lose the House, they have a very good chance of losing the Senate, between now and then, do they execute policies? 
that do not help them this election cycle, but five years, six years, ten years from now, do help the left. Yeah. And my fear is that's what this is more Yeah, I, I, I have come to agree with that, and I said something very similar yesterday. I think to them November is foregone. And if they're looking around, they're saying the mistake Obama made was not going harder left, and they're just going to ram it through when they can, and you know they'll take a short-term hit for a long-term gain. Fair enough. No, so, so there, yeah, but there are some really interesting, hopeful things. Okay. Um, young young people, sort of the under thirty-five population, migrated dramatically to voting for the Democrats this last election. Okay, but young people are what we call brand switchers. Uh huh. You know, your mom probably used. If she bought Tide soap, you probably buy Tide soap. I hear you. you know, it, yeah. it, it, there's that loyalty. Yeah. Young people are brain switchers. They hop online, whatever looks the best value, they just buy it. And that's been one of the big mistakes of political scientists is not realizing young people, when they real think they've been betrayed by the Democrats, they may not love Republicans. They may not understand Republicans. They, they had real trouble with President Trump. Um, you know, because I think they, you know, they were more emotion-based than fact-based. But we know they're horrified and terrified by the fact they can't buy a house now. They yeah. can't find a car. Yeah. Um, you know, they were forced to spend two years in isolation. The love affair young people had with the Democrats is over. We as conservatives need to keep telling them what prosperity and opportunity and freedom looks like. I'm with you, babe. By the way, Tide, David, really? Tide? We're, we're Tide. Ronald Reagan people. We use Mule Team Tide. Borax. Mule Team oh, Borax. Death Valley oh, days, yeah. baby. I'll let, you, I'll let you explain that later. But, <laughs> but it is, it's a really interesting – this really annoys some people, and I promise there's some people listening right now are going to be annoyed by this. But politics really is about math. Yeah. Sure. Elections are about math. Policy is about the Constitution, the God-given right, um, and how, how you execute them. But winning elections ultimately is really about math. Perfect. David, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Until next it's week. always good to torment you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Seth Leapson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Bill's having no patience for my hijinks today. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Do you remember uh, last September, the big hullabaloo over um, Border Patrol on horses trying to stop the uh, crowd of Haitian immigrants coming across the border illegally? Do you remember that? The White House demanded an internal investigation over such and called Border Patrol out of control. Remember what Maxine Waters said, Congresswoman California? I do. I pulled it up. What we witnessed takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys with their reins, again, whipping black people. Haitians into the water where they're scrambling and falling down and they're try- all they're trying to do is escape from violence. Worse than slavery. Our customs and border patrol were worse than slavery. 
What you won't find, this is becoming an interesting category, things you won't find in the New York Times and Washington Post. It's it's becoming a growing category, isn't it? What you won't find is um, the border agents have been cleared of the whipping claims. Oh, yeah, right. You see, what happens is the charge just goes out, the slander just goes out, the defamation is probably the better word for it. The defamation simply goes out. The White House and members of well, at least half the members or the members of Congress from half <laughs> half the two political parties in this country make the attack. They all get on board. They all get in line. They create a story that produces hundreds of thousands of social media hits. The story doesn't smell right from the get-go, doesn't look right from the get-go, but nonetheless – Why let a photo op go to waste? And then when we spend time, effort, energy, and money in our defense, or as the Customs and Border Patrol agents do, I should say, and they get cleared because what was obvious then becomes obvious now after the investigations, there will be no story on this. The National National Pulse You have to go to alternative media to get this stuff. The National Pulse reports, despite audacious attempts to malign U.S. border officials, those who stood accused of attacking the migrants have now been cleared of misconduct. The incident underwent a probe by the Customs and Border uh, Border Protection's Office of Professional Responsibility, which National Border Council President Brandon Judd revealed has yielded no evidence supporting the left-wing theory that agents whipped The only reason we know this, he said, the only reason we know they were cleared is because the OPR, the Office of Professional Responsibility, which undertook the investigation, uh, which started the investigation, said they they were compelled to put a statement out to those they investigated. And once that is done, you can't take criminal action against them and they are cleared. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just not going to be reported. So guess what? What was worse than slavery didn't happen. It didn't happen. The continued indictment of America requires no truth. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Check out 960thepatriot.com if you'd like to join us for an intimate evening event with Larry Elder. It's Tuesday, May 3rd. We're capping the audience to just 75 people at a private residence here in the uh, PV area. And uh, you can get information at 960thepatriot.com. We, we do have a few left. Uh, we've, we're keeping it uh, deliberately small to maximize interaction with Larry Elder. It would be great to see you there. In our ongoing book wars, used to be when you talked about the book wars in this country, that was a phrase of some popularity. It um, – it had to do with colleges and universities. Uh, now it really has to do with what young children are reading. I dedicated a monologue or delivered a monologue last week on what I found in a local bookstore. Um, to say I found it wanting uh, would require an apology to the word wanting. It was um, frankly sickening. I can revisit that with you if you want. But comes now John Stossel to promote one of my favorite people. She's a regular guest on this show, Bethany Mandel. By the way, if you want to know, if you want to keep up 
with what is being discovered about children's books, and by children's books, I mean five, six, seven-year-old books, and actually even younger. One of the books I highlighted in my monologue was meant for toddlers, which meant younger than five, means younger than five, three and four-year-olds, right? Um, but if you want to keep up with what is being found, what is being peddled to these kids. Um, there's three immediate places I would tell you to follow. Three immediate places I would tell you to go on social media. One of them is Bethany Mandel's Twitter account. Uh, you could follow locally uh, Arizona Women of Action. They do tremendous work. Delighted to promote them. Or Libs of TikTok. They're doing some pretty interesting stuff too. Bethany Mandel, Libs of TikTok, and Arizona Women of Action. There are others. Those are just three off the top of my head. I'm glad we are building a slow arm, a, a, a small army on this. But now comes John Stossel. You, you guys remember John Stossel? He used to be much more prevalent on uh, television, had his own show on Fox for a while. And um, he's, he's on the case here. Bookstores now sell only certain kinds of children's books, he writes. Going to Barnes & Noble, he quotes Bethany Mandel saying, and you will be met with a wall of biographies, probably 27 different books about former Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Great. A ton about Kamala Harris. Great. But where are the biographies on conservatives? There aren't any. By the way, she's absolutely right. It's amazing when you go into these bookstores to see how many children's books there are on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There are more children's books on Ruth Bader Ginsburg than there are law review articles about her opinions. It's really quite amazing. <clears throat> That's obviously true of Kamala Harris, too. There aren't any biographies on conservatives in, children, in the children's book section. Lots of books on people like Hillary Clinton and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Elizabeth Warren and Rachel Carson, but none on Margaret Thatcher or Amy Coney Barrett. Mandel says it's time to bring those books to the market because Lord knows the publishing industry won't. This is why she started her Heroes of Liberty project, a company that does publish children's books on conservative heroes like Amy Coney Barrett, like Ronald Reagan, like Thomas Sowell. You're indoctrinating kids just like the left does, I told her, John Stossel writes. That's a very fair question, she responds. My answer is read the books. Her top seller, what do you think it is of those three, Barrett, Reagan, and Sowell? What's her top seller? What do you think? It's Sowell, who overcame adversity to become a famous economist and constitutional scholar. When Sowell's family moved to New York, his new teachers put him in a lower grade because they assumed that he couldn't compete. He went to see the principal on his own. He didn't play the victim. He stood up for himself, says Mandel. He said, I will prove to you that I'm capable of doing fourth grade math. The principal actually listened and gave him a test. When Sowell aced it, the principal told the teachers, take this young man to fourth grade where he belongs. On and on this article goes, but wouldn't you want your kids to read that? Wouldn't you want your kids to read about that kind of initiative and that kind of energy in the young ages of the fourth grade? rather than about how and why they should change their sex. Good for Bethany Mandel. You can see this article, by the way, at Town Hall. 
com if you want. It's John Stossel's uh, interview with Bethany Mandel. Or you can go check out the Heroes of Liberty bookstores, uh, bookshelves. I'm set, uh, online. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If it's Wednesday, we check in with our Robert H. Jackson Scholar in Constitutional Studies. He is Brett Johnson, Brett W. Johnson, a partner at the Snell and Wilmer Law Firm. Brett, happy Wednesday. How are you today, buddy? Good, good. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon to you. Brett, um, high campaign season, we're all getting ads, seeing ads uh, from candidates, both for federal and local and state office on wanting to do something about our border problem, our immigration problem. When it comes to state actors, whether it's state legislators, perhaps local law enforcement, perhaps governors, what can what can the state do on immigration policy, particularly a border state such as ours? What kind of latitude do we have? We've had problems with it when we've passed legislation in the past that have gone to the Supreme Court. But Give us the contours of, of what a state could or could theoretically do. Yes, and, and, and no problem. And as a way of background, you know, obviously always a link to Arizona. Um, many of your uh, listeners will remember the 1070 yeah. that came through from Arizona. Yeah. And that was Arizona trying to create or even mirror some federal laws that would allow the state to enforce it separately in parallel to, um, to basically ICE and, and the immigration authorities. What the, what the uh, Supreme Court jumped in and said, uh, um, can't do that because it's actually preempted and immigration is within the purview primarily of, of the federal government unless the federal government provides an avenue to enforce those federal laws on immigration. Mm-hmm. So they can't be, they, they can't conflict with federal law or allow this kind of secondary um, issue. And there's quite a few laws that do. Um, usually large strings are attached to that, and that's obviously concerning for states or municipalities. But there are a, quite a few state laws, because remember, the Constitution mandates that the, the state, the, the individual states, maintain the police power. The federal government does not have police power. Right. So once there is a, um, an immigrant, a legal immigrant, who crosses the border and into the state, the state actually does have quite a bit of authority. So, for example, if um, the person is, is trespassing on private land, local authorities are able to go there. We talk about the ranches all the time mm-hmm. that are along the border. Mm-hmm. That's trespass, and that's a police power completely allowed. The states can also enforce within their jurisdictions employment laws that restrict the ability to hire um, illegal immigrants. So that's a major one, too. They can also require citizens or acquire um, individuals when they are stopped by police to verify um, their citizenship status. That's actually sometimes in support of the federal laws. And then finally, because we talked about sanctuary cities, yep. um, that's where you know a city says, you know, we're not going to enforce immigration laws here. The federal government can do it on its own, and we're not going to support it. But state laws can actually prohibit. Um, um, the state officials or municipal officials from hindering the enforcement of of, uh, of immigration laws by federal authorities. So, so a legislature or governor a... could say to City X, if you become a, or if you choose to become or if you are going to maintain a sanctuary city status, we can defund you or something well, like that. 
That's exactly right, and and there's a lot of states that have those those kind of laws on the books. So the 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 toolkit is actually pretty large, and that's why you hear candidates um, talking about a surge towards the border. We usually National Guard troops. Well, we have something in the in the country it's called the Posse Comitatus Act. It goes all the way back to the Civil War, which says the military can't operate within the fifty states or within the continental territories. But there are exceptions to that, including the National Guard that can be mobilized to support law enforcement activities. And Arizona and Texas has done that quite often. Um, so that's when you hear about the surge to the um, the border to help local law enforcement enforce those state laws that are parallel and separate from immigration, but do have that indirect impact um, of, of hindering immigration. So basically, you know, the way it comes up through the border is, is that, the, you know, the, the smugglers know which, which areas are going to be the weakest. And if, if state law is able to plug some of those border or those holes where the federal government is not necessarily doing its job, but they're using state law to do so, then, then they're going to, they're going to move and, and, and go to another area. Right. And so that's, that's one of the whole surge concepts. I gotcha, Brett. Um, this this is this is a kind of a catch twenty two question, not for you, but 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 for the law itself. If 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 a state does something, take the ten seventy, which I guess in parts the Supreme Court struck down, or or anything else that the Supreme Court might struck down because strike down because federal preemption, something like that. Um, it can go that direction. Obviously, it does. In the 50 states every day, I'm sure there's 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 some concern over something a state is doing that might conflict with federal law. But can it flow the other way? So, as you said, where the federal government refuses to or doesn't enforce its own laws that they have preemption authority on, that they are the only authority, the only governmental entity that can do something about it, and they refuse or decline to 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 act. Can the state do anything about that, man, damage-wise or some other way? Can they, in other words, sue or force the yeah. federal government into action because they themselves are hobbled by preemption? Can they do that sort of and, action? And, well, the Supreme Court says no okay. under under most circumstances, okay. and that has been tried several times. Just enforce um, enforce federal law. Um, a lot of states have also basically sued the government for the additional costs of having to address uh-huh. illegal immigration, uh-huh. the social costs, and and the Supreme Court has pushed back on that. The, the one exception, which has been a powerful tool, is not necessarily a constitutional tool, is the Administrative Procedures Act. Okay. Many of you may be aware of a federal judge in Texas who basically stopped President Biden from undoing some of President Trump's oh, right. regulations. Right. And in that context, it was you, you didn't follow the Administrative Procedures Act in revoking those programs or those executive orders. So not necessarily a constitutional issue. Um, per se, but more of a statutory one that they were able to use. And that is, that's going to be a tool more and more, um, used by states, including our own state, own state, um, for a variety of federal actions, not just immigration, is that they did not file, follow the, uh, Administrative Procedures Act. Fantastic, Brett. Thank you. So, how do you know so much? My audience asks, and I ask, how do you know so much? I guess there's a lot of suing going on, huh? There, there is. There is a late nights reading cases. I'm a really boring guy. <laughs> no, no, you're, no you're, you're, you're not. You do great work, and I, I really appreciate it. But the long and the short of it and the takeaway is that it, it, it turns out it's more about will 
than ability when it comes to what states can do. They do have rather large toolboxes. They just need to be, do. open them they up. They do. Okay. That's exactly right, and be creative in doing so. Great. Great, great. All right. Well, listen, November's a coming, and uh, maybe we can maybe we can start seeing some progress on on solving the immigration uh, the in- immigration problem that we have here in Arizona and throughout the United States. Brett Johnson from the Snell and Wilmer Law Firm. Bless you, sir. Godspeed to you. Thank you for everything. So appreciated. Thank you. You betcha. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Well, it sounds like he just took a sip of Coca-Cola or something. Hopefully not Coca-Cola. What, is there a better – I mean I stopped drinking soda thanks to you, Bill, but I don't know what we replace it. Replace it with Balance of Nature, portions of this show brought to you by Balance of Nature, particularly their fruits and veggies, which I take every day. 100% natural using vine-ripened produce that is third-party tested for bacteria, pesticides, heavy metals, you name it. Gluten-free, non-GMO, contains no added vitamins or any – other chemicals or sugars, nothing. It's 100% natural, 100% whole food. And you just take it once a day and you get the equivalent of 10 servings of fruits and veggies because it is whole food nutrition made from fresh whole produce using their advanced cold vacuum process. Balanceofnature.com. I take it every day. I'd love it if you did too. Check them out. And if you do so, make sure to use discount code BALANCE. I don't know if any of you uh, miss. Chris Wallace being on Fox News. My guess is no. Uh, looks like the rest of the world may miss him soon, too. Remember when he when he left Fox News in a diatribe against how he could no longer hang out at a place that employed Tucker Carlson? So he was going to leave CNN, uh, leave Fox News and join CNN Plus, CNN Plus, their new uh, their new streaming service. Wikipedia writes up CNN Plus this way. It's a video streaming service that launched in March it's an offshoot of CNN Cable Television News Network. The digital streaming service was announced on July 19th as, quote, the evolution of video news and the start of a new era for the company, close quote. Um, the service's total numbers of daily viewers has yet to surpass 10,000 people. You heard that right. This great big initiative that's put all this money into it took Chris Wallace, among others, has yet to get more than 10,000 daily eyeballs, fueling speculation that the network's new parent company, Discovery Warner Media, could be pushed into slashing CNN Plus, even as it's trying to get off the ground. John Hinderocker writes, fewer than 10,000 viewers a day? For perspective, that's a small fraction of what what we get here on Powerline, and we have no costs other than $600 a month for web hosting. The red ink at CNN must be knee-deep. Generally, he says, I hate to see businesses fail. But in this case, it couldn't happen to a more deserving network. That's absolutely right. I see we have a few colors on hold. I've got a great guest, Abe Hamaday, coming up, candidate for attorney general. And I'm going to do uh, an interview with him real quick and – well, not real quick, in due course and with <laughs> due time. Uh, and then if you want to hold or call back, uh, we will get uh, right to you. Much, uh, much promised. Abe Hamaday coming right up. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.